Well, let's continue. We started last week talking about our inheritance in Christ. We ended in Colossians chapter 1. So I want to start there this morning. So turn to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. We're going to believe God for utterance. But I hope you come out of this with realizing some deep truths that God is not looking at your life, seeing what you're doing, and then deciding if he's going to bless you or if he's going to not bless you. That is not Bible, but that has been preached. God doesn't bless some and not others. God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he has done for all. Sometimes we say what he's done for one, he will do for all, but that's not Bible. What he's done for one, he has already done for all. God does not have to come down here and heal your body. He's already bore your sickness and carried your pain He's already legally taken care of it. So now it's simply a matter of you receiving it. Reaching out. How do you receive everything from God? It's through faith. So you hear the word of God. You become fully persuaded of what his word says. And then you believe that you receive it. The Bible says, what things soever you desire. This is Mark chapter 11 Verse 24, it says, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Right? So believing you receive is one point in time. Having it in your life manifested is another point of time. But you've already believed you've received it. Right? And, and I would love to tell you that Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive, and you'll have within 24 hours. That would have been awesome. Although that probably wouldn't have been faith, right? But God has provided everything. We saw last week, he has literally blessed all of us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. There is not one spiritual blessing that God has, is withholding from you. Not one. You literally have it. You own it. Isn't that awesome? The Bible also says that he's already, past tense, given you and I all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything. Psalm 23 gives us a perfect picture of our life. That God is Jehovah Jireh. That he goes before and meets the needs of everything before you get there. It's written in Psalm 23 like this. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. The Hebrew word prepare means that he has gone ahead, because see, he's not in time, and he's provided everything. Do you know in prayer, we are stirred by the Spirit and everything we call for, everything we require from God is based on what he says he's already given us. Do you know you'll never be able to ask him for anything that he hasn't already provided? 
That's why the Bible says in 1 John 5, if you ask anything according to his will, well, we know his will is his word, right? You want to know the will of God for your life? Just look to the word. And when you find it, lay hold of it, right? But he says if you ask anything according to his will, you know that God hears you. And then it goes on to say, and if you know he hears you, you know that you already have the petitions you've asked of him, right? His will is, it's very strong. So then we finished with Colossians 1.13. And we said this, the word of God says this, talking about what Jesus has done, who hath, hath delivered us. This is half is past tense. Delivered us is in the aorist tense in the Greek, which means this was a once and for all one time event. So when you received Christ, literally because of what Jesus had done on the cross, you were literally delivered from what? The power the delegated influence, the authority of darkness. You were taken out of the delegated authority of darkness and you were put in, it says, and translated or transferred us. That means to remove from one place to another. Have you ever worked for a company where you were transferred? transferred? Right, what does that mean? You were moved from one place to another. Well, where were you moved? translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So now, you and I, right now, today, as believers, are in the kingdom of God, and we have been removed from the delegated influence of darkness. Now, you could say, but yeah, but, you know, Satan is coming against me, and this and that. Absolutely, he operates as an, as an outlaw. But the Bible is very clear. You've been given all the authority, and he has none. Satan has no authority in your life. Now think about that in relation to sickness and disease. He can attack your body, but he has no authority if you don't let him. Any symptoms in your body, see, faith doesn't deny the symptoms, right? But we deny the right of those symptoms to stay in our body because Jesus bore them. That's already been bore. I don't, born. I, I don't have to bear it anymore. So this is what we're talking about. Literally, we said last week, the literal translation of this from Greek, just looking at all the Greek words, who hath once and for all rescued us out of the authority of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Wow. I mean, that alone, guys, should make you yell and scream and run around and just go crazy because Satan has no power in your life. Isn't that amazing? So in your life right now, the Bible even says things like this in Proverbs eleven thirty one, that the righteous will be repaid in the earth. So anything the enemy has stolen from you, he has to bring back while you're in the earth alive right now. 
I mean, this is, see, we have to renew our mind to this because we get in this mentality, everything is based on me, on what I do. I go to work and if I do a really good job, I, I get a promotion, right? If I'm growing up in my household, sometimes I grow up in my household and I'm just so conscious of what I don't do because my parents are upset at me about what I don't do and they don't tell me about what I do do good. So, so we get these mental thought patterns that are, are all whacked out. Well, the walk of faith, this walk with God is completely opposite. He's already blessed you. Is there something in your heart? Because if you'll get quiet, there's some things in your heart that are monumental. They're life-changing. See, inner turmoil happens in a believer when they live their life totally bound. The boundaries of their life financially is how much money they make at work. And they, they live within that boundary. And the problem is, God doesn't want you to live within that boundary. He wants your boundary to be his riches and glory. So there is no fixed income in the church. There is no debilitating disease that will keep getting worse and take you out. There is none of that in the church. It's already been taken care of. Boy, we got to believe this. It goes on to say in verse 14, in whom, in whom, talking about Jesus, we have, we have redemption. See, he's explaining now, I transferred you out of the delegated influence of darkness into the kingdom of God, in whom we now have, it's the Greek word echo, it means we now own, we now possess redemption. Not going to, you possess it right now. Redemption. This Greek word means the releasing affected by the payment of a ransom. You've been redeemed. He, Jesus paid with his very life so that you could be removed out of that delegated influence of darkness into the kingdom of God. It's amazing. So this verse, literally it says this, in whom we have redemption, how? Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And we read that in English and we think about forgiveness in the realm of how we forgive. And so many times, even though we are to forgive unconditionally, it, it kind of, we're used to conditional forgiveness. So we don't really understand this. This word forgiveness, it's the Greek word aphesis. It means the cancellation the complete wiping away and remission of sins. We've been redeemed through his blood and our sins have been removed and canceled. Wow. So when you read Romans and you see the wages of sin is death, and then you go, wait a minute, my sin has been removed which means death has no legal right over me anymore. Isn't that good news? I'll never taste death. If you're a Christian, you never will either. Think about when an unbeliever dies. The first thing they see is the angel of death. 
I don't think he's a very nice looking guy. And they know immediately that they chose this and that it is irreversible. And then their spirit is taken down and delivered to the angel of hell where they will be incarcerated until the white throne judgment and then they will literally stand before God and have to be judged for every sin that Jesus paid for with his blood. And then they will be literally cast into the lake of fire, which is called the second death. And they will spend eternity with who they decided to identify with, Satan. It was, that place was never designed for man. God never wants anyone to go there. He didn't make it for them. He literally, if you study it out, he doesn't send people. He honors their right to go there because he can't violate their will. So this is, we've been set free from this. This is telling us in whom we own redemption through his blood, even the cancellation of sins. Wow. Ephesians 1 now, go run over here to Ephesians 1 really quick. I want you to see this prayer of supplication. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. In Ephesians 1, 15, it says this, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, this is Paul writing to Christians. This literally was to be a circulatory letter written to all believers. Wherefore, after I, <clears throat> but he's talking about the Christians at Ephesus. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 17, here's the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Listen, we have people that go to Bible college and go to seminary and they're studying in their mind trying to have knowledge of him and they, they, they get puffed up, they don't get built up because it only comes through revelation. Oh, I could memorize this scripture. I could do a history lesson on all this. But in order for me to really see it, in order for me to really see it, he has to give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What happens when that happens? Everything changes. Paul is praying from this verse that the knowledge of God that you already have in your spirit, okay, the knowledge of God that you already have in your spirit may explode in your mind so that you can see it. That is the key because we've got to renew our mind. All these crazy doctrines of God heals some and not others and you just never know what God's going to do. And you know, God, sometimes he's good and sometimes he allows other things to test you and this all this nonsense comes because people do not have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's, let's talk about some big nonsense. The thought process 
even though I'm a Christian, that God somehow doesn't love me and his word won't work for me. And I can't have what God says he's already given me. That is nonsense. It's a lie of the enemy. And if you'll, if you'll literally receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, right? And this is what it talks about. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's the Greek word photizo. It literally means lighted, an illumination, a shining. It's revelation. It's when, it's when you're reading the Bible and you're minding your own business and the words jump off at you. That you may know the hope of his calling. That's God's plan for your life. That you may also know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. Inheritance. See that you'll know God's plan for your life. That you know that God has a future for you. That you know the glory, the riches of the glory of the inheritance that you have. This is present tense what you have right now. Listen, if you get diagnosed with something, you need to know your inheritance has already given you healing. You need to know that you have an inheritance where you have an unlimited supply of finances for anything. So it's not a matter of, okay, I'm going to buy a house. Let me buy a house. Let me see what I could afford. Forget that. Start by doing this. Meditate in the word and start driving around and asking the Lord where he wants you to live. Might rock your world because he might have you driving through neighborhoods you would never even dream of living in. But this is, it's a, see, that makes no sense to the carnal mind. The riches of the glory of his inheritance. Our inheritance is rich in glory. What is the glory of God? It's the very presence of God. Listen, your inheritance. It's, it literally, when you receive healing, when you receive finances, when God blesses you with something, when God, it just explodes his joy out of your life, when he explodes his peace out of your life, all of these things of God, they're all rich, that means excessive, in glory. Which, and this is why when people drive by this building, the building will speak to them and say, hey, you need to go here. This is why when you walk in a restaurant or where you go, when you're conscious of this, the stuff that God blesses you with will speak to people about his goodness because it's all rich in his glory. Everything in our life, we are on this earth equipped to be the body of Christ. We are to grow so that we can look at those that we're discipling and saying, follow me as I follow Christ. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. That's, what we're to, that's how we're to live. We're to love unconditionally. We're to literally never judge anyone but us, but me, yourself. We live this way. We never let anything in the world move us because I'm not in the world. I'm in the world in the kingdom. Does that make sense? So nothing moves me. There is nothing that we will ever need in life that Jesus 
has not already provided for us in our inheritance. Doesn't, doesn't a psalm, or Proverbs, right? Or I'm sorry, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I won't lack. When people develop spiritual maturity, they look for what God has already done within them instead of always looking from the outside to see what God's doing. I don't see what God's doing from the outside. What's on the inside of me will change what's on the outside of me. That's how we live as Christians. Verse 19 of Ephesians, the last part of this, and what is the exceeding? This means hyper or super. That Paul is the only author that ever used this word. The exceeding greatness of his power, right? Of his dunamis, miraculous power. To usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Wow. Paul is praying that we would see the power that we have as believers. In one verse, how many words? Three, five, eight, wow. 11, 13, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21 words in English that contain all four Greek words power. Do you think the Holy Spirit wanted us to know that in every way, this power is multidimensional. If you put it all together, it encompasses all the power of God, the kratos power of God, his ruling power, the power that he holds the universe with, his dunamis power, that miraculous power that's released, it's stored power in the Holy Spirit that's released. I love that. The energia is the other word. It's an outward, it's, it's power that is outwardly displayed. As you believe God, his power is outwardly displayed in your life. I love that. The iscus power. This is an endowed power. It would be like a power that is given to somebody. When they, like, like when President Trump was elected as president, he was, he was, it would be the power that he was given as president of the United States would be considered iscus. For people who are kings of nations, it's iscus power. Your royalty, you have, you have power that has been given to you because of who you are. This is why that shattered event is so important. Because the first thing Satan's going to come at you with is he's going to see if you know who you are. Right? Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So now Paul is explaining this power. As we said before, the death of Jesus was the supreme expression, was the supreme demonstration of God's love for mankind and God's power in action. Everything was. And he sat him far above all principality and power and might and dominion, he sat Jesus above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet, 
and gave him to be the uh, head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness that fills all in all. Now, so think about that. So God has placed you and I far above all principality, power, dominion, all of these forces of darkness. So literally, he took you out of the delegated influence of darkness. He placed you in the kingdom of God, which is far above. There is no authority in this earth that can dictate in your life. That's Bible. Wow. So now if we jump back to Colossians, I want, I want to read, because Colossians and Ephesians, they, they are parallel books. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Let's look at what Paul is praying here in this prayer. Colossians 1, 9 says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, or heard it, what did he hear? If you go back to verse 4, that they walk in the faith of God and, and have love for all the saints. Do not cease to pray. This is an intense, fervent, heartfelt prayer for you. Do not cease to pray for you. This is continual present tense. In other words, Paul's saying, I never stop fervently praying this for you. And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God wants you full of wisdom and spiritual understanding. You could read this verse literally. For this cause we also, since the day we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your unconditional agape love for all the saints, do not cease to fervently pray for you and to keep on asking that you might be filled to the full with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And as we said this before, you can be born again. You could have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and not know these things. Right? Because he, obviously, because he's praying this. Doesn't that make sense? So verse 10. He prays this, that, or in order that, you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And we said this. I've been kind of talking about this in many services. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. We, said, we talked about this. This is a step-by-step step walk. It's God will help you walk step-by-step step with him. He's a good father. He's not going to have you walk at a speed that's beyond you. To be honest with you, Many times we will feel like, come on, God, we need to be moving faster. But he knows he's building strength in you. So he wants before, when you take this step, he wants you to really be solid in this step before you take this step. Right? It's just like the children of Israel in the Old Testament. They would go to the city God told them. The battle was God's. The victory was theirs. They would fortify and strengthen themselves there. Then he would take them to another city. If you look at the promised land, 10 cities they conquered in the promised land, one at a time. They never worked on more than one thing at a time. 
Look at what society's doing to us today. Right? I mean, look at, look at society a hundred years ago, and then you look at it today. Actually, look at it 50 years ago, and look at it today. So funny, in the 80s, in the 80s, I remember thinking the thought, how in the world could I ever do business without a fax machine? And now somebody asks you, well, could you fax it to me? You're like, seriously? Right? I mean, it's just, it's really amazing. But, but here's the thing. This, this is why, even in talking about the tithe, why did God have them when they conquered Jericho why he said, don't hold any of this out for yourself. Because it was the first of ten cities. It was God's. He said, it's mine. So you burn it all. Right? So this is, I mean, the, the tithe, honoring God, it's all through the Bible. And it's all in place, not because God's got this ego that he wants you to honor him. No, no, it opens him, gives him the right to honor you. The Bible says, those who honor me, those I will honor. He's able to, right? So I love this. Paul is praying that these Colossians' life, that their lives would produce all kinds of good works through their union with Christ, and that their life would continue to keep growing and producing fruit. You and I are on this earth to produce fruit. This it's what's so amazing is, is have, have you ever, are you ever around people in the world that are not saved? And they'll see things like this. Yeah, I don't go to church because some of the most selfish, self-centered people are there. All they care about is themselves. And I'm sitting here going, yeah. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in church a lot. Have been for years and years and years. You're absolutely right. A lot of self-centered people. You know why? Because Satan works overtime. See, he doesn't really work overtime on the world. He's already got them. But he works overtime on us. Right? And so today, because we're living in this time, we're, we're, we're living, in, in my opinion, one of the darkest times in America, in church history in America. Because this is what believers do. I'm not going to serve God. I don't care what that says. I'll go to church if I could find a church that makes me feel good. But pastor, if you say anything, I'm out, that I don't like and, uh, and, and love my brothers and sisters, listen, I'm up to here with me. I don't have time. Right? And oh my goodness, you better not talk about money. Because boy, if you talk about money, I'm out. Right? And then here's the other one. People sit in church going, because they haven't been in the Word all week. Now, I'm not talking about the Baptist church or the Episcopal church. I'm talking about the Word of Faith church. Because I don't know about them. I haven't been in them for a long time. The Word of Faith church. I come to church and I hear the Word, and man, you know, I could quote these scriptures about how God wants to bless me. And I actually even think I know them even though I'm never, I never read that. And I just, uh, 
I've got so much inner turmoil in my life because I just am refusing this. And pastor, I need you to help me. And I can't. Jesus can't help you until you decide to put him first and just go, you know what? I, I need to get over myself. I, I'm really well versed in this, very strong in this. I would actually say that I could preach this because I have firsthand knowledge of what it's like to be that way. And I got to tell you, when the Lord told me, when right before we started this church, he said, Tony, don't you ever be afraid of the people's faces. I never understood what that meant. But now I understand. I don't understand by being here because, man, I have a great environment. But I know pastors that are afraid to say some of these things. They're afraid. And my thing is, I got to say some of these things because this will help you. What burns in my heart is that all of us together walk out God's plan for our life. We have to know this. Your life is to be bearing fruit. If you haven't led somebody to Christ, if you haven't discipled somebody, if you're not discipling somebody right now, listen, that's a litmus test that there's some priorities that are messed up in you. Right? Now, I know that sounds crazy. Now, does it mean you have to be getting people saved? Well, that's really up to, it's not our job to get people saved. It's our job to disciple people. I should say it this way. Have you, have you invited anybody to church? Have you, have you said to anybody this week that doesn't know God that you know God loves you? Have you ever witnessed, have you ever talked about what God's doing in your life to somebody who doesn't know the Lord? Or in our environment, somebody who knows the Lord but they're not walking where they should be, right? We, we are here literally to bear fruit, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The reason why we're so spiritually illiterate is because we're not being fruitful in every good work. That comes first. Isn't, do you see that? This is, this is a, literally a prayer of supplication in the New Testament. There's not very many of them, but it's literally that you'll see who you are, that you'll see what you've been given, so that you will now go do these good works. A good work means you're praying for people. You're, you're ministering how? Just as the Holy Spirit leads this is why you never want to say no to him. But so many say no. So many are like this. I want God, but I'm not willing to give this up. Right? If that's where you are today, listen, don't beat yourself up for it, but start feeding on the word and ask God to help you because I've got news for you. If this is where you are, if there's something in your lifestyle that you're not willing to give up, and it's not Bible, let me, let me give you a little hint. That's not really what you want. It's just what your flesh wants. So what am I saying? 
we've got to stop living out of our flesh and start being who we are. Because as you're sitting here today, not only do you have this inheritance, there's greatness in you. Do you know how many people I have known over the years, some of the most incredible anointings and giftings for ministry, and I'm talking fivefold ministry, that never get in the Word, but you never know it because they can study for a couple hours and get up in front of people and preach. And there's an anointing on the Word, and God will never, He'll always, He'll confirm the gift, He won't confirm the person but they never go anywhere. And eventually they kind of go away. But when they go away, they live in all the turmoil because the call is still there. Why is the call still there? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They never change. And God will never beat you up for being in that place because he doesn't ever beat anybody up. He just keeps encouraging you keeps encouraging you. If you get around me, what am I going to always encourage somebody to do? Just get in the Bible. Start reading the Bible. We've got three months left. I used to love the 90-day challenge with my youth group, with the college and career group that I, 90 days, I just challenge you, read a chapter in the Bible every day for 90 days, which is like a paragraph. It's ridiculous. But by the end of that 90 days, it'll change your life. Do you know how many pastors, how rare it is for a pastor to read the Bible every day for 90 days? A pastor of a church. Rare. Rare. And we wonder why nothing's happening. I'm here to tell you today that all this stuff is true. And if you, I mean, I challenge you to start praying these prayers over your life every day. See what happens. You will become a wild person. Everything will get very clear in your life, and it'll just be wonderful. See, all these messages, they're designed to help you. And man, I got to tell you, I shouldn't say designed to help you, because I hope you know that when I'm preaching or teaching and I have, it even appears like I'm pointing a finger that I've got four fingers pointing back at me. We get all this together. But look at verse 11. It finishes up, it goes, strengthened with all might. God wants you strengthened with all might. This is a Greek present participle signifying a continuous action. God wants you continuously strengthened with all might. This is dunamis, miraculous power that is released. It's stored ability of the Holy Spirit that's released that causes miraculous things in your life. Wow, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. In other words, as we understand and walk in God's word, we are empowered by God's strength. That's the, that's the principle. As I walk in his word, I'm empowered by his strength. I love this. 
Hallelujah. So let's finish this up. Verse 12, giving thanks. This is the Greek word eucharisto. It literally means I live my life constantly giving thanks. That's why, because I'm walking in a revelation of all that he's done for me. Unto the Father, which hath, past tense, made us, now this, you getting ready to shout, he made us partakers, made us meet. I love that. He made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance in the, of the saints in light. He made you. This Greek word meet means he, he rendered you fit. He gave you an ability to be a partaker of your inheritance. In other words, you could say this, God literally created and enabled you to be able to receive your healing, to receive finances, to receive all of the blessings of God. You're literally made that way. And Satan doesn't want you to know it. So many people that are taught principles of faith, they so micromanage their faith and they start breaking things down and they start, and it gets all confusing because they start thinking, I got to do this and then I got to do this and, and oh my gosh, and Satan's going, hey, have you noticed none of it's working? And it gets really confusing. But I wonder what, what would happen if every day of your life you just walked around going, Father, I am so thankful that you enabled me to be a partaker of this inheritance. That even my ability to lay hold of the things of God is not from me. You enabled me. Isn't that amazing? I love this. Every child of God has been supernaturally enabled to manifest the blessings of their inheritance. Do you know you have an inheritance? God has a future for you. Don't buy where you're at right now as your future. It's glorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I will finish with this scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. We'll, we'll finish with this one. Hallelujah. Boy, I, I just, I, I hope that you're hearing the heart of God in this. He is for you today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read verse 3 and 4. This is powerful. Now remember, all these scriptures that we're giving you to back this up, this is forever settled in heaven. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at verse 4. Look at this now. What, what has he brought us to because of Christ's resurrection? To an inheritance. Incorruptible. That means your inheritance cannot be destroyed. And undefiled, that means your inheritance can never be contaminated. And that fadeth not away. 
your inheritance never wavers or fades. It will never go away and then, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Wow. Think about that. So in other words, you have not messed it up. I remember when the Lord told me that. He said, Tony, isn't that exciting? You haven't messed it up. As a matter of fact, this is one thing. My inheritance, I can't mess it up. And according to Colossians, I'm literally been enabled by God to walk in all of it. And I can't mess it up. It's, it can't be contaminated, contaminated. It never fades. And it's in heaven. It's outside the realm of Satan doing anything with it. And all I got to do to bring it into my life is simply just believe it. Isn't that amazing? I say it's time for us to start walking in our inheritance. Amen? Well, I hope this has helped you. I hope this equips you because you need to know in your life that there is an inheritance for you, that God has a future for you, that all things are possible to you because you are a believer, right? You're his child. Why? Because you are. You've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. That's such good news.